as Pastor Dan said, Pastor John, he shared a message uh, on the first night of Powerhouse Conference called the Wilderness Test, and yes, please do go and see that. Now, his definition of the Wilderness Test was God-ordained season you go through to prepare you for God's purpose and promises. So it's to prepare you for God's purpose and promises. Uh, It's a preparation season. Like the word wilderness itself, it's defined as a desert place, a place uncultivated or lived, you know, or lived in. It's uncultivated, uh, a state of disorder. Wildernesses are places of difficulties, yeah, pressures and oppositions. They're times of stress, suffering and pain. Oh, this message is getting better all the time, isn't it? I like, but, but through it all, there's good news. Through it all, God's more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. Now, I, I know that I've been, uh, at times, there's, you know, when I'm feeling in my comfort zone, I'm usually not moving anywhere. It's usually things that are tests and trying that make me get up and move, make me get up and see, make me get up and go to the next stage. So uh, in this season, God's developing us to become servant-hearted, worshipping warriors. I've had many personal wildernesses uh, in health, relationships, finances, uh, in work. I'm going to share one of my work ones. Uh, I've had a real massive wilderness at work. Not, I actually work at the church, not here, all right? <laughs> Just saying, it's not this job. <laughs> Everyone was panicking. Dan, Dan, he was panicking. He's like, oh, she's going to talk about me. No, I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah. Like this, this, this work environment, it was a terrible work environment. Uh, it was full of sarcasm. It was really negative. Uh, people were really mean. There was backstabbing going on. It was a horrible environment to work in, and I really wanted to leave. I, I put up with it for about a year. I thought, nah, I'm going. That's it. I'm leaving. So I'm thinking, yep, I'm leaving. I'm going to go in, hand in my notice, leave, get another job. That's what I'm doing. So I I think, right, I'm on my way in, and I hear God clearly say to me, no, don't go. I'm thinking, I didn't even ask you. (laughs) Like, wow. And, and you know, I'm thinking, well, and that's what happens. Like, number one, you should ask God about anything. (laughs) But anyway, but but maybe I didn't want to, like, because of answers like that. Like, and it was like, no. And I'm thinking, whoa, no, I really want to leave. Like, and so at this time, I was fairly new Christian-wise, just like putting it out there. So I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't want to leave. I mean, I want to leave. So if you don't do something about it, right now, I'm going to leave. <laughs> so I had, I had the, yeah, this is, what I'm ta- this is how I'm talking to God. I'm like, Really? You want me to stay here like you do something and you do something now? So anyway, uh, that next week, one of the, the people who was, you know, the, in, in the whole thing, there was probably two people, but they stir everyone else up. So one of them come up and asked me if they could transfer. I'm like, yes, let me help you fill out that paperwork. <laughs> See ya. No, no, but... But this is what happened. Like, like, to me, that was a sign. I thought, oh, well, God, he really does want me to stay because number, like, number one, and then there was still one more. I'm like, yeah. So, but however, <laughs> what happened wasn't long after that, I actually got promoted. I'm like, oh, so he wanted me to stay so I could have a promotion. 
And then I got to deal with that environment. Oh, that was not fun. So, because I was managing it, now I got to manage, like, you know, no more backstabbing, no more negativity, no, like, let's be, let's love each other, let's be nice to people, no more, you know, bashing the Christians. I mean, they knew I'd become a Christian, and you would hear them, like, making fun of Christians. Not happy camper, I wasn't. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to leave. But what happened, it took time, hard work, a lot of prayer, and a lot of uh, coaching conversations with people, but it did change the environment. So sometimes you can be in a wilderness and you think, I want to get out. I want to get out now. In James 1 uh, verse 2 to 4, it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come uh, come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So don't try and get out of pressured things too early. Because, you know, who is God trying to make you? That's what you need to think about. What is God trying to do? Had I left there, number one, I wouldn't have got the promotion. Number two, the environment would probably still be like that. But God's got a plan, and his plan is always good, and his plan is always brings hope and a future, all right? Uh, so as Pastor Dan, you might not have, uh, you might be here tonight, and you don't have a relationship with God, and a little bit later, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite a God that loves you into your heart, that can come and transform your life like he has Kyle's, mine, many people here tonight. So let's have a look at, I'm going to spend some time talking a little bit about uh, one of my favorite people in the Bible, and his name is David, and I love David. Oh, first time I read about David, I thought, you are a cheating swine. Like, you know, because, <laughs> like, you, you know, he, he was an adulterer and all that. I thought, you're, you're just a pig. Like, really, I did. You know. But this is what happens. Like, but after a while, you read the Bible, and then you start to read, like, oh, but he was a man after God's heart. So anyway, this is why it's great to read the Bible, isn't it? You learn so much. Yeah. So... Uh, in, in 1 Samuel, like God reveals to Samuel, Samuel was a prophet in the Bible, uh, that he's rejected Saul. Saul was the first king, and uh, he rejected Saul, and he's chosen one of Jesse's sons to be a replacement. We'll talk a little bit about Jesse in a minute. So in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his outward appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. So he's saying, I've rejected Saul. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right there, isn't that an amazing thing? When I read that, I thought, I love that, that God doesn't look at what I'm like on the outside, the things that I've done on the outside. He looks at my heart. He looks at your heart, Marty. He looks at your heart, Yvette. He looks at our heart. It doesn't matter about outward. People look at the outside, but God, he looks at our heart. And so what happens? So Samuel, the prophet, he goes to Jesse's house. He goes to his shack out in wherever he lived. Uh, and he goes to his house and he says, get all your sons up here because one of them, I'm going to anoint them as king. So Jesse gets seven sons. But his son, David... 
is out with the sheep. So he's not there. He only, he leaves them out there. He's actually got eight sons, but he brings seven. He gets seven. He puts them in front of Samuel, and Samuel goes, is it that one? Nope, 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 nope. This is God's, no, 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 seven times until he gets to the end, and he says, Samuel goes to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Like, really? We got the whole seven, and it's none of them. He goes, oh, my youngest son, he's out with the sheep. I'll get him in here. So he gets him in, and as soon as Samuel sees him, God speaks to Samuel and says, tell him to rise up. You rise up and you anoint him. So he was the one. Because it wasn't looking at anyone's outward appearance, it was looking at the heart. David was anointed to become king, even though he was overlooked and he wasn't even invited to that by his dad. His dad didn't invite him. He was overlooked, he was uninvited, but he was handpicked by God. God always had the plan that he was going to be the king. It didn't happen right then. It took years before David actually became the king because uh, his father-in-law Saul got very jealous, chased him around, threw spears and javelins at him. And, and uh, for 13 years, David was actually on the run from Saul. So his life was constantly under threat. I mean, that's a wilderness. There was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of danger, a lot of adversity. So we're going to look at, to be, you know, the first point is servant-hearted. David tended the sheep. He was out there serving. He served his brothers when he actually took them some cheese and some probably milk, a milkshake and all that sort of stuff when they were fighting against the Philistines. So he took all his stuff out there. He's serving his brothers. His father said, go out, take the cheese and the milkshake and that to your brothers out there while they're, you know, they're fighting. He gets there and then Goliath is there. If you don't know the story about David and Goliath, you've got to read that story. It's a, it's a magnificent story where he, here he is, the shepherd boy with a slingshot, kills this massive giant, hits him in the head, like just like that, boom, in the head, then gets his sword and chops his neck off, and, or not his neck, his throat, whatever, his head, that's it, beheads him. But it's an amazing story, isn't that cool? I just think, wow, this is amazing. And it's all because... He thought, you cannot defy my God. This is how David was. He thought, who do you think you are, you Philistine? He was probably swearing and back then, you Philistine. But anyway. <laughs> so yeah, he had, a, he had a lot. So he was servant-hearted. And because he was serving his brothers, it actually put him in place, a place of destiny. He was, met, he was called there to fight with Goliath. He was called there to kill Goliath. He's a giant killer. That's David. He was called. So what happens is also he was an accomplished musician. Yeah, he played the harp, the guitar, the trumpet. No, no, he was playing the harp. But anyway, what happened? People heard about it. And when Saul the king was feeling distressed, what they did, they went, oh, we've heard of this, this young shepherd boy, David. He can play the harp. He can come and he can help to soothe your mind. So they call him. Again, David goes in to serve. He's servant-hearted. He's serving the king now. He's serving the king and he's playing songs for the king and it actually places him. You know, in Proverbs 18, 16, it says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. That's what's happened here. His gift, his heart playing placed him before Saul, who was a great man, who had authority. Yeah, 
That's what it does. Your gift places you before people. I remember uh, when I, I'd been a, going to church for, I've been, a, I've been following Jesus for 20 years now. So I think this is around about year two or three. I remember a leader coming up to me uh, and saying, Teresa, you know, you've got a gift of communication. I think I'm just laughing. I'm thinking, is he for real? And, and, and then he goes, you should come and do RE. Hey. And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I know what those kids are like. And, and I, but, but I didn't tell. I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm good to my leaders. I'm like, oh, mm, I don't think so. And, and he goes, oh, but we really need you. We really, there's a real need. We need you to come. Like, and, and come and do some, you know, RE, religious education with, with the kids at school. And I'm like, oh, man, I really, I really don't want to. And do you know, sometimes someone can see you, and, and it might have happened to you already, but it will happen. A leader will see the gift in you and come and talk to you. And sometimes they're not going to place you right where the gift is. They'll place you in something that will grow you towards it. So what happens? So I, I don't even know why I did it anyway. I decide, oh, okay. Like, so he goes, okay, can you like, you know, make a commitment for a year? I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm thinking, oh, well, there's school holidays. So I'm trying to count all the, the time that I could have off. And I'm thinking, I mean, I've not ever been in a kid's classroom, don't forget, not ever. So anyway, he goes, you can just help me. I'll do all the leading and you can help me. I thought, that's okay, I'll do that. So the very first week I get there, he gets called away because someone's away and he goes, you'll be right. So I get to go into this class of third graders. Actually, you pulled out in fourth grade. What school did you go to? I'm like, I'm studying. Because these third graders, wow. They were demons. I tell you, they, like that, that, you were in that classroom and you go, <laughs> no, I am going to ask you what school later on. But what happened? There was like, like the same sort of thing. There was a class of 30, but there were probably six of them and they were shocking. I am not even kidding. I found out at the end of that year that what they did, they put all the troublemakers in one class and that was the class. I was only there for, I had two grade three classes and I only had them for half an hour each. Oh, it could have been like, you know, a whole day, eight hours with one class. I would, I would go in, I'd be sweating. I'm not even a perspirer. I was, I was like, I'd be sweating though. I'd come out, I'd come out of there. I'd feel like drinking on the ground. <laughs> like it's only, ten, you know, it's only like, I don't know, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking, whoa, I've got to find a bar. But no, no, no. But, but this is how bad it was. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, and, 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 oh, I just, I'm like, oh, no, I just really, it was rough. It was really rough. Anyway, but what happened, I was in, out of my comfort zone, obviously. <laughs> it was in stretch zone. But what happened, it made me, it forced me to uh, work out what I could do. So I'm talking to all the mums with little kids and, and stuff like that and getting their music. And I'm like, oh, I like this, like football, football, football. Like, you know, like little, so I'd pray little songs in there. And then I started getting them to do a little play. I've never done that. In my, but what happened? God was giving me ideas to teach them. And then I was coming up with a little scripture. I'd come up with a scripture and I'd take one word out at a time to see if they could. Things like that. What happened? What it did, it taught me how to engage Grade three kids. <laughs> but what happened? What happened if you can do that? Oh, adults are easy. 
I, like really, I didn't know that at the time, but, but that's what it did. So by the end of it, oh, I still couldn't stand it. I couldn't wait till the end of the year was over. But by the end of that year, well, I'd walk into the class, I'd know what I was doing. It would be like, oh, look, we're doing RE. Like really, the kids got into it. Would I literally, I did dance competitions. I won. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's what happens when you run them, you can win. No, 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 no. But it, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it then, and because you don't know uh, who you're touching, and a their whose heart's been touched in a RE class. These are these are kids whose hearts are open. Oh, they're receptive. You know, even our kids here, our crash here. Someone might have said to you, "Oh, we need people and kids in crash," and we do. And we do. Imagine the impact you can have on a little kid's heart. We've got little Louie. I mean, very soon he'll be going to crash. You know, they, like these are hearts that are developing. Like if you, uh, yeah. So if, if you get, like if Cat comes out, like Cat comes out and asks you like, oh, I see, I see you and kid. But just make sure she's really not just saying that. <laughs> no, but, but that's what can happen when you actually... Uh, number one, like when you're servant-hearted, serving leads you to your destiny. And then it leads you to your next step. And then it leads you to your next step. I mean, I always liked serving behind the scenes before that, but God had to try and get me out to what he'd called me to. God has a plan already for you. You do know that, hey. He's put gifts on the inside of you already. You're handpicked by him. He, he knows you. He knows your inner thoughts. He knows the gifts he's put in you. He knows where you're meant to be. And he can send the people around you if you're faithful and you walk with him. And you serve. You serve him. All right, that's number one. Number two is worshiping. Servant-hearted, worshiping. In Psalm 103.1, it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. I love that. I praise him, praise from the time that I started going to church, I loved worship. It's not just singing. Worship is not singing. Worship is giving your heart. Worship is surrendering to God. Worship is really reaching out like, God, I want to know you more. I love you. I want to know who you are. I, like, I was, that was the thing that got me right from the get-go. I loved worshiping God. I used to go to sleep with worship music on. David, well, back to David, he, he, he had the heart of a worshiper. Despite all his challenges, that's when David, uh, he took the time to write psalms. When he was out in the wilderness, he was writing psalms to God, like, oh, this is happening, this is happening, but I love you, God. Oh, this is happening, this is happening, but I praise you, God. Oh, this is happening, this is happening, but I want to know you more, God. This, this was David. He had a heart of a worshiper. I had a heart of a worshiper. I love worshiping God. Seriously, I would go to sleep listening to worship music. I would wake up and there was just a song on the inside of me. This is what happens when you worship. You just, your heart just beats like longs for, hungers for. The theme of this year has been a hunger for God. You're a worshiper. You hunger for his worship. You hunger for his touch. You hunger to hear his word. You hunger to pray. You hunger to be in a relationship with him. That's a worshiper. But whether it's in times of triumph or times of tribulation, we worship him. When things are going good, 
when they're going bad, we worship Him. Our worship remains constant. That's the heart of a worshiper. In Matthew 18, 19, it says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Get alongside people. Get along corporately. Come to, um, we don't have our revival prayer this Tuesday, but we do next Tuesday. Come, come to that. Some things are more caught than taught. Get in, like, like how I learned to pray is I just went to prayer meetings. I just show up, I didn't even pray. I'd, I'd go there and I'd listen to people pray and I'd think, oh my gosh, they're amazing prayers. Oh, oh don't ever ask me. Oh, don't ever ask me. And we won't for a while. But, but, yeah, if you, no, no, but, but it was like, I don't, but what happened? Prayer's a spirit. And that spirit starts to get on the inside of you. And you start to, like, it's not about the words. It's not about your eloquent words. I mean, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, it's not about your eloquence of words. It's about your heart. We're back to your heart. God looks at your heart. God knows what's on your heart. When you start to get a spirit of prayer on you, it comes out of your heart. You start to say things that just comes out of your heart because you're a worshiper. Like, yeah, but get, get together corporately. And I mean, there's a revival prayer on the 3rd. That starts again on the 3rd every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. But on the 10th, which is like the week after the third, the tenth. Woo, you guys are good with calendars. We've got a night of prayer and worship where we're going to worship God together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship Him. There is an atmosphere that's in a place like that. Like, I just wouldn't miss it. You do not want to miss that. You get there, you get that spirit of prayer. God will speak to you. God will speak to you about Him. God will speak to you about you. God will probably speak to you about who you're standing next to. This is what happens when you're in an atmosphere of praise and worship. So be there, be there. Actually, I'm going to do what David did this morning. You can get your phones out if you haven't put it in your phone yet on your calendar on the 10th of the 10th at 7 p.m. It's a night of prayer and worship. And I think it's an hour and a half. Yes, it is. I'm going with that. But you can put it in there. You do not want to miss that. Tuesday night. Boom. Yeah, so that's point two. Seven-hearted worshiping warrior. In Psalm 144.1, David proclaims, Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. Oh, that for me, uh, that scripture, I remember that's been a scripture of mine for a long, long time, that he trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. When I first read that, I don't even know what it meant, actually, but it was something that stood out to me. So I started to study the Word of God about what it actually means. And this is what happens. When you get the Word of God in you and you study it, you just want to know. You want to know God. You want to know more of Him. You'll learn more about Him. So training is essential. And part of training is coming to prayer and worship, night of prayer and worship. Prayer might be Bible college, group, whatever it is that's going to take you another step closer to the Word. But don't just read the Word, study the Word of God. So God has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. And we can use His Word... Jesus did that when he was in the desert and that Satan was coming to tempt him with different things. He came back with the word of God. We can do that. When someone makes us feel not great, we can say, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. 
where, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, my God, you've got a plan for me, a plan to prosper me, a plan not to harm me, a plan to give me a hope and a future. Whatever it is, learn scriptures, get them on the inside of you, because things happen not while you're in front of the Bible. Things happen at work. You know, you can't, you can't get your phone out then. Like, but when you've got it, memorize things that will help you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Declare the word of God. Declare the word of God. God is good. And the main thing is just don't give up. Never give up. We don't have to give up because we've got God. He's got victory. If you've had any kind of victory in your life, you've had to endure. If you bought a house, you've had to endure. If you got married, you've had to endure. I mean, not afterwards, before. <laughs> I like... Yeah, that, yeah, we'll just move on. Uh, like, but yeah, like, but, but that's, you've had to endure that. Yeah, yeah, anyway. But, but that's just it. If you've got a job, you've had to endure. Anything. You know, you, you actually have to, have to get victory. You've got to work at it. You've got to persist. You've got to endure. You've got to be persistent. You've got to have perseverance to do that. So let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for servant-hearted, worshipping warriors. I thank you, Lord, that you're here. I thank you, Lord, for the, that you're just stirring people up right now, stirring them up in their hearts and in their minds. Thank you, Lord, that you're making them more confident that you know who they are, that you know their purpose. And, Lord, I pray that you would help them to go another step and then another step and then another step, whether it's serving, whether it's worshiping, whether it's being a warrior and standing up for you and standing up for others. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.